listening to the Mouthful of Graffiti podcast, affectionately known as The Mog, an open forum and promotional outlet for budding artists and creatives from all across the Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Brad Cox, not necessarily affectionately known as anything other than Brad Cox, but I'm here all the same. Let's see who and what we're chewing on today on The Mog. Friends, East Coastians, and country men and women of all ages, welcome to the MOG. As always, links for our guests will be made available in the description, and a song or some type of promotional feature will be tacked on to the end of each episode. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Vagabond Sandwich Company, Capricost Books, Musicland, Black Eyed Susie's, Double Groove Brewing, Baltimore Decal Gal, and Reb Records. Remember to love local, support local, and to eat and drink local. Don't forget to use discount code MOG. Pod for a 10% discount at Capricost Books. Everyone knows you can't stop by Main Street Bel Air without grabbing one of Black Eyed Susie's legendary orange crushes and a killer lunch or dinner. Black Eyed Susie's has been supporting local for a long time. It's your one-stop spot for original and cover entertainment and an afternoon or evening out with friends on their rooftop deck. If you haven't heard, there's something very special about Double Groove Brewing. It's a melting pot of personalities, ages, loves, interests, and musical tastes. There are hippies, professionals, rockers, folk artists, friends, and families here. Throw in the most delicious and satisfying craft beer on the planet, and this place is complete magic. They are tireless supporters of the local talent. Stop by their location in Forest Hill for a pint and a night out with friends. Just announced, the Lords of 52nd Street, the ultimate Billy Joel band, is coming to the Amos Center on February 12th at 7 p.m. For tickets, just go to tickets.harford.edu. Also coming to the Amos Center, the Hip Play Ballerinas are on their way with their unique fusion of hip-hop and ballet on January 29th at 7 p.m. Again, it's tickets.harford.edu. Also just announced, the Red Hot Chili Pipers are coming to the APG FCU Arena on March 8th at 7.30 p.m. The band's achievements have reached incredible heights with their groundbreaking fusion of traditional Scottish music and rock pop anthems, which they proudly call bag rock. Tickets are available at apgfcuarena.com. Brian Dunaway has been a mainstay in the Baltimore punk rock music scene for a lot of years. His often manic, upbeat acoustic approach is as fun as it is unique. He doesn't shy away at an opportunity and isn't afraid to let it all hang out there. He's the genuine article and here to talk about where he's been, where it's going, and what punk rock means to him. Join me in welcoming Brian Dunaway to the MOG. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really good. Were you expecting the horse? Actually, I was expecting something. I know you have chicken noises sometimes. Yeah, Bradley, Bradley James, James Hayes. Hayes. Well, he's got a farm and he's got chickens, so yeah. it just seemed appropriate. Plus, you know, I, I'm cock, so at some point the chickens had to come out. We got some news to read off here at the top, like Ron Burgundy. Tracked, which is, I believe it's Christopher Mooneyham and Dan Houts is going to be at the Jayville Grill on January 8th. Last time I was there, they had Derek Credito, Melanie Hemlin, Dan Houts, Christopher Mooneyham, and Kyle Reagan uh, all performing. Are you planning to do the next one? I was thinking about it, yes. I saw the interested response of yours. Transcendent Events is bringing the Emo Show to the Baltimore Soundstage on January 29th. Question to you, would you put Emo in the category of punk rock? 
Good question. I would say yes, depending. I would say early emo, definitely. Yeah. I'm not like big on emo. Uh, like, who am I to tell who you can listen to, who you cannot listen to? You know right, right. I mean, it's just a, it's just a little branch off of it. I guess it's punk rock in the sense that it did change the course of where music was going. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Transcendent Events is also bringing the Nerd Prom to the Baltimore Soundstage on February 5th. Did you happen to catch StellarCon at the APGFCU Arena? No, I did not. You would love that. You're you're a wrestling fan, right? I am a wrestling. I mean, fan. it's all kinds of like it's like it's like the nerd prom like on steroids. It's like all kinds of like really cool stuff. All your superheroes are there, and it's just really cool. Okay. So definitely check that out if they decide to bring it back. And just announced, Rapola Entertainment is bringing Ballyhoo to Zen West on January 22nd. They've been around for a long time. I know that one guy, Howie, is the yeah. singer. They were on my first shooting down on Baltimore compilation. That's going back to like 2000, but they were doing it even before that. I remember 1997 as early. I remember 1997. At the time, I thought they sounded like a like a sublime, sublime in Green Day, because he kind of Howie kind of sounded like Billy Joe Armstrong a little bit. I thought he had that kind of voice. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and the first one to message the word punk will receive a $25 gift card to Baltimore Decal Gal. So you can't win this, but if you know somebody that wants to message me the word punk, I'll give it to you. So Baltimore Decal, uh, one of our long-running sponsors, we definitely appreciate them. So I've been racking my brain, Brian. Where did we meet? Because I, I know it wasn't just at the Dan House shows at Vagabond. I think we met prior to that. A long time ago, I don't think we were ever like formally introduced right. but i knew who you were like I, I remember back as far as 1995 1996 i knew who you were really yes like i remember there was this uh store at the harford mall it was a it was a kiosk then it was called global roots and I do remember Global Roots, but I cannot remember for the life of me what they sold. They sold a lot of like the the, the hemp stuff and the Bob Marley t-shirts, that okay. kind of thing. But the, you had a demo there. You had a tape of oh, your, no. one of your old bands. And I remember I tried to ask you for one like about, I don't know, probably like 10, 15 years ago. Because I used to have that tape. <laughs> I burned them. <laughs> I, I had that tape. And I, I liked it. But it, it had more of like a, I think it had more of a, like a hardcore sound kind of. Maybe. It, it, it depends. It had, had a little bit. It, it, it reminded me of hardcore. And it's like I lost the tape and I cannot find it anywhere. And I wish I had it. Well, I know where it is. It's not like the Ark of the Covenant or something where it's like buried in the sand in Cairo. It's actually right there to your right in that closet. So now you know where it is. But anyway, I, I wasn't sure if we met like through uh, Rance Denton. Do you know Rance? I know I know his brother Bob. Okay. Rance I've never met, but I know who Rance is. Bob was a good friend of mine. He was actually in my wedding. Yeah, yeah. He was in Schizo at one time, was he not? He was briefly. So the way it all kind of came together was Rance Denton had a friend that had passed away. His name was Mike Gupton. And Basically, he was a fan of the band, and there was no band. So Rance was like, can we maybe put a band together to do a benefit show for Mike and his family? So we asked Bob, because Bob was like on the couch at that moment. And then uh, Rance was like, well, I could probably play some keys. And and then we just started calling friends, like just trying to kind of piecemeal together a band. So we ran probably eight to ten shows together. And then that was that was it. But that was like back in 2000, 2001. But yeah, he was. Had you seen any of the old schizo shows? Um, 
You guys played the like the the bank one time, did you not? Yeah, we did the vault uh, many uh, times. The vault and the funnel. I, <laughs> the funnel. It was called the funnel at one time too. I remember that. Like I think it was like the vault. I think it was like the, like it was like the bank, the bank funnel and then the yeah. vault. Yeah, because I remember it was funnel like probably like ninety eight, ninety nine, something like that, and then it became the vault or something like that. So I hope I'm not like mislabeling you in any capacity, but you are a staple in the local punk rock music community. Fair to say that you're a punk rocker. That's correct. Okay. That leads me to the most natural question that would follow. Who are your favorite punk bands or artists? Because I want to see if, based off those, I can kind of piece together, okay, now I kind of get more of a vibe for where the songs are coming from. All right. Um, I like the Misfits, Ramones, Boris the Sprinkler. Boris the Sprinkler? He, they're out of they're out of Wisconsin, but they would they just have the most outrageous lyrics. It, it's like he has like weird references, like a lot of like maybe pop culture references, and it, but it's like sometimes he'll have something that's like I'll get it, but it's like some other people might not get it, right? Just because. But when you say weird, we're not talking like Gigi Allen weird. Not quite that extreme. Okay, I can see where somebody that would listen to Gigi Allen would be into that too. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever get into Gigi Allen? Yes. <laughs> you did? You can go down a wormhole pretty quickly on YouTube because now, like, you can actually find those shows. Like, it, it's not just, like, punk lore. It's, like, you can watch it happening. Yes. How about the Pistols? I love the Pistols. Yeah. A lot of people diss the Pistols, but I do not have a problem with the Pistols. I don't under Like, Pistols were probably, like, the first band I, I started listening to that... I would think were punk rock, you know, like right. I would listen to Ramones. It seemed like when I was got into punk rock, people that got into punk rock was because of the Pistols, Ramones, and The Clash. Those were your introductions. Yeah. And then you would take that into like, you know, Fugazi and some of those other other groups. Black Flag. Because it's like you started out like maybe like the 77, you know, and then you get into more of the hardcore stuff like Black Flag, Dead Kennedys, The Circle Jerks. And, uh, yeah, and they influenced a lot of those bands. I mean, it's it's weird the way they get panned, but I, I kind of get the story. But wasn't that what the whole Swindle album was about? Was kind of like mocking what people were mocking them for? That's what I get out of it. That's what I took from it. Danny Boyle is doing one of those kind of like Beatles type mini series on the Pistols. I think it's called Pistol. So I'm actually very interested to see that, even though Johnny Rotten doesn't want anybody to see it. <laughs> yeah, he's he, well, he's Johnny Rotten. He's got to he's got to play that card. Yeah, that, he, he's a, he's maybe a loose cannon, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I know, but sometimes I feel like is he trying too hard just to like hold on to that image? Like, can't him and Steve Jones just get along? <laughs> and Steve Jones just seems like one of the coolest guys. He does. Ever. Jonesy's Jukebox is a great show. And if you go to his page, I don't know if you follow his Insta, but he's always like doing those videos of himself playing in the shower. Just got his acoustic. He's playing in the shower. And Steve Jones, I think, has one of the coolest voices ever. Yeah. Like when he does it, he did that song, uh, like Lonely Boy on the Rock and Roll Swindle. Yeah. But then he had that project where it was The Professionals. Like, he had The Professionals. He had The Greedies. And then like Duff and somebody from Guns N' Roses, they had uh, The Neurotic Outsiders. Which was great. Yeah, it was Duff, Matt Sorum. Uh, actually, I met those guys. It was Duran Duran, Guns N' Roses, and the Sex Pistols. Yeah, which was a cool like kind of amalgamation. When you were a kid and you kind of grew up with those bands, I, I saw them at the Whiskey and I was just like starstruck. I, I tried not to be starstruck because I, I worked in Hollywood, but I was like, this is really cool, man. These like are my heroes right here in the store doing an in-store signing. Anyway, punk rock music is kind of a lot of times stereotyped by a sound. 
But I've always kind of felt like punk rock is not really a sound as much as it is kind of an attitude. Like when you think of punk rock music, I think stereotypically you think of like the Dolls, like maybe Iggy, even Green Day, like that three chords in the truth kind of rock almost. Yeah. Or that shuffle. But I think it's more an attitude. You could be a metal band and have kind of a punk sensibility. Yes, that's true. A lot of times I feel like punk rock music is trying to at least, it's calling for some type of social change, whether it's musical change or like some type of a, like a sociological issue. I would agree. <laughs> yes. right. Would you consider then Nirvana punk rock? I would, yes, just because of the the aggression. They would do something like they would have the melody and then they, they would go hard in the chorus. And One of the things I didn't pick up on until much later was that their album, their, their big debut album, was named after, I mean, in a sense, like one of the biggest punk rock albums ever, which was The Bullocks. Like, never mind. Nirvana, never mind. Never mind the Bullocks. And Johnny was, he was pissed. Yeah. I don't think that they did it intentionally. I don't think so. He got over it. All right. So we always do like a fun questions portion. I, I'm sure you've listened to the show and you know that. So Terminator 1, 2, or Dark Fate. And I'm not sure the others count. So I, I like the first one the best. Just the first one. Just the first one. Just because I thought that was kind of like a standalone movie really it's just like it kind of tells the story this is what's going to happen and then it ends and you're like okay but then they brought the second one but i like the second one too and i think most people were introduced to the second one first yeah and if you do that and you go back and watch the first one you realize how much the second one rips itself off that's kind of how this is going to be a weird one it's probably not a popular one but uh Caddyshack. The first Caddyshack I ever seen was Caddyshack Two in the theater, right? Because when I was when the first Caddyshack came out, my parents wouldn't let me see it because it was all the dirty stuff, the bedroom scenes, all that kind of thing. Right. And then when, the, but the first one I ever seen was the second one, and I kind of liked the second one better than the first one because that's the first one I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's not a popular opinion because I mean the first one had Ronnie Dangerfield. I think it's funny too, but it's like you know the second one had Randy Quaid and like I thought he was funny in it. Sometimes sometimes the sophomore release is better, and that's just what it is. But a lot of times I think it's just what popular culture is introduced to first because yeah. that that's the one that puts it on the map, and then you kind of go back and you're like, oh yeah, this one's really good too. I saw on Facebook that you're a Dr. Seuss fan. You follow a lot of Dr. Seuss pages, whether you realize it or not. You're I looking never, at me like what the Dr. T, uh, the 5,000 fingers of Dr. T and stuff like that. No, I I, I swear. I, I think you were a fan of like one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. You were a fan of a Dr. Seuss page. I was like, okay, so maybe he's a Dr. Seuss guy. I did like Dr. Seuss. We all like Dr. Seuss. Yeah. <laughs> But are you an avid reader? I haven't read Dr. Seuss in a long time. Well, I don't mean just those books. I mean any books. I am a rabbit read. Yes. Okay. Uh, I am. I do read. Yes. Okay. Well, I've got three books over there you can check out. Children of the Program. <laughs> Not that we came here to talk about that. So favorite Netflix series. Favorite Netflix series. Ah, good question. Because I saw Wet Hot American Summer. It's the prequel to the movie Wet Hot American Summer where people, the cast of the original movie came back and they're supposed to be 20 years younger, but they look 20 years older. Right. As where the cast from Saved by the Bell looks exactly the same. Yeah. I don't know what they're eating or drinking, but... Uh, Something in the water, I guess. Yeah. So you're listening to The Mog. I know you've heard some of the episodes. You told me that pre-podcast, but are there other podcasts that you listen to? Uh, Jim Cornette's Drive through okay what is that is it a comedy or oh well he was like i, I don't know like on wrestling back in the 80s there's a 
there was like NWA wrestling and WWF, then NWA, but Jim Cornette was NWA. His tag team was the Midnight Express and he was their manager and he had the tennis racket and he would, okay, he was the guy with the tennis racket, but he has his own podcast where he talks badly about new wrestling, but he likes to talk about the old school days, but sometimes he, he'll give like the pros and cons of what's happening now. Like, Oh, I do like this. I like that. So He's an old wrestling heel. He's an old wrestling heel. Yes. Yeah. What void do you think? Cause there's a lot of podcasts popping up left and right especially now, what void do you think that that's filling for people? Well, I mean, one void would be, I guess it, it would give you something to listen to that you can re relate to. It's like, it's almost like these people are in your home or something when you listen to them. And it's almost like, right. like, cause like people don't really seem to go out anymore. It seems like. Yeah. And it's, it just kind of gives you something to, you can listen to somebody and you can relate to that person. They're like, oh, I can uh, identify with that. I think it definitely helps with uh, drive time. That's true, too, because uh, a lot of times I will listen while I'm driving in the car. And it just kind of gives me sometimes I can visualize and it just makes me feel relaxed. Because we kind of came from a era of time where rock stars were kind of a thing and there was a certain mystique and they kind of stayed a little bit out of the public eye. But that's all that's all gone. Yeah, now. it's like yeah, it used to be this mystery. Like everything had a little mystery to it. Which you was wanna... cool for sure, but I think that's completely gone. And I was thinking about like what do podcasts serve? And I think it's like, well, how close can we get to the person? It used to be like, you can't get to them. Like, you can't find them. But now it's like, okay, I can see what Tommy Lee's doing if I go to his Facebook page. But I want to know really what Tommy Lee's doing. So now you can actually listen to the Tommy Lee podcast. So I think it's bringing people even one step closer than they used to be. So how about uh, Spirit Animal? Spirit Animal? We're still in the fun section here. Spirit, like what's my spirit yeah, animal? Yeah, your spirit animal, like <sighs> or your favorite animal. That's probably your spirit animal. Like you know, mine seals. I would say the moose. The moose. I love moose. It's kind of random. I th I've never heard somebody say the moose. Well, why the moose? Well, I used to go up to New England a lot. Uh, Kristen and I, we would go to New Hampshire a lot and uh, up to Maine. Yeah. But New Hampshire, there's this place that had a moose excursion. We would ride the bus. <laughs> And then we would go around, look for moose, and we would see some. Is the plural of moose, moose? Yes. Okay, so it's not meese. It's not meese, it's moose. Okay, so so you love the moose. I do love the moose. That's fantastic. Now, where were you going up there in uh, New England? We would go up to, I will go to Salem, Massachusetts. Okay, cool. Uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Manchester, New Hampshire, Lincoln, New Hampshire, Portland, Maine, Kittery, Maine, Freeport, Maine. You ever go to like Newport, um, Mystic, Connecticut, any of those places? We have went to we went to Newport, uh, Rhode Island. I love that. I love the breakers. And then uh, there's this one place in Newport, <laughs> if I remember correctly, because we only went there like a couple times. Mm -hmm. One time we went there to go, um, went to a haunted. It was a house that supposedly haunted. They had a medium there. Oh, cool. And we because we, we, we did they read you. Now we like we would just go in and they'd be like, "Oh, there is a spirit here," or they that kind of thing. All right, we're gonna fast forward real quick to something. Does that have anything to do with the Jazz Gypsy Queen? That does not. No, no. You know what? I'm not thinking of the right song. I'm thinking of Ghosts of Gettysburg, maybe. Well, Spectre in the Room. Spectre but, in the Room. But yeah, that was Gettysburg, so it wouldn't be that. The Spectre in the Room was something that actually happened to me. 
Okay, well, that's what I want to hear about because a lot of your lyrics are seemingly very literal and on their face. So this seemed to me like, okay, something happened here. I want to hear the story. Well, one night, uh, Kristen and I were in Gettysburg and we went to, there's this hotel that back then it was the Holiday Inn, but now it's like the 1863 Inn or something like that. But it's right next to the Jenny Wade house. Okay. And we stayed in the room and uh, one morning I woke up, it was about 6.30 in the morning. And uh, like when you, when you're laying in bed, like to the left of you, there's the door and then there was this desk. And then there, and then to the right, there was a bathroom. Well, I saw this guy stand up out of the chair, and he was glowing white, like it was the color of the moon. He was the color, as you would imagine, a ghost, right? Yes, he was the color of the moon, and he had a mustache. I remember he had a mustache that kind of stuck out, like a like a Mark Twain mustache. I mean, did it terrify you at first? Well, it was more like, did that just actually happen? Okay, it was one of those. But I saw him get up. And then walk to the bathroom, like walk past the bed, walk into the bathroom. But as he, before he walked in the bathroom, he just disappeared. And it was, it just, he just vanished. And it was like, I was like, did that just happen? And then I went back to sleep. And then the next, that same day we were over at, we were out at a restaurant somewhere. And Kristen's like, you know what? I don't really feel right about our room. And I said, did you see it too? And she's like, did you see what to? And I'm like, oh, never mind. We should probably check out. So what do you think, after having an experience like that, what do you think ghosts are? Are you a person of faith? Do you attribute it to like some type of like spiritual purgatory or? What I get out of it would be, it would be somebody that was maybe had in life, he didn't, um, I, I, I would say he had had unfinished business Un- and he probably dra- died tragically. And then he keeps coming back to maybe fulfill what he did or he might even not, like, or he or she might not even know that they are dead. Right. There's kind of that debate, like is time real. And I kind of wonder if it's just like energy that's frozen in time that you're just happening to come across. You're seeing an image that in linear time actually happened like Probably 50 years ago. That energy is actually passed, but it's still somehow trapped in the present. I don't know if I explained that very well. That, sound, that sounds logical. I don't know. I mean, it's either that or there is linear time and they're just literally hanging out in that spot all the time. And that seems kind of like if, if I were a ghost, I would probably go different places. I would travel. I'd be like, oh, I'm in Rome now. But it's like when you hear these ghost stories, they're always in the same spot. You know, it's like, oh, I saw the same guy sitting in the same chair in the same hotel room. Yeah, it's like it makes you wonder, are they trapped there? Trapped energy. I don't know. I guess we're going to have to find out at some point. But continuing on with the fun questions. I know you're a wrestling fan because you dressed up like Rowdy Roddy Piper at least once for one show. Uh, We have had a lot of wrestling fans on the program. We've had Kevin Hawk. Nick Ellison, Matt Witzel. What is it about Rowdy Roddy Piper that resonated with you? I, when I was a kid, for some reason, I liked the bad guy wrestlers, the heel wrestlers. I don't know why. It was just I was a chic guy. I love the chic. I loved him. When I was a kid, I always to be like, I like Rowdy Roddy Piper. And then people are like, well, he's a bad guy. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like Megatron and Starscream too. Exactly. I want to tell you. <laughs> I did. I have, Starscream was pretty cool. He was dope. Yeah, Starscream was kind of like, like he would stab Megatron in the back. Like, yeah, I, absolutely. He was he was more evil than Megatron. And I, for whatever reason, I just, he, 
he kind of had like more personality too. He's kind of like um, what's his name, uh, Freddy Krueger. Like if you put Freddy Krueger and uh, Jason together, I will always lean towards Freddy because Freddy had like this maniacal personality. Yeah. So you're a tough one to nail down. You don't have a lot of music outside of SoundCloud that you can find. There's some stuff on YouTube. Yes. I listened to everything that I could possibly find. And we talked a little bit pre-podcast, but I will re-ask it now for the listeners. Why is a lot of your music not on these other platforms? I don't know how to get stuff on iTunes properly. Okay, so it's more of like a tech disconnect. Yes. And I'm going to help you with that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Are you recording your own music? I have this guy named Brian that recorded for me. Okay. You may find yourself wanting to record more songs because it's just like, I can put them out there. I've seen you perform at a lot of the Sandwich Stock events, but where else do you perform? I've performed at the Auto Bar a couple times, the Side Bar okay. quite a few times, uh, Charm City Art Space, but I don't even know if that place is even still happening, but I, I, I performed there numerous times. You ever had a, a, like a backing band with you, or is it always just Brian Dunaway? Well, I've been in bands. Okay. But I've like my solo stuff, I've never really ever had anybody back okay. me. Well, sometimes at open mic, somebody will come in. Like sometimes I feel like I want to have somebody backing me. But yeah. Sometimes uh, when some people try to play with me, sometimes they can't seem to get together with me for some reason. Yeah. But, but some people can. Is there a dream venue in town that you'd like to play at some point? In town, dream venue? Maybe Baltimore Soundstage? Yeah. I would say. Your best contact for that particular venue right now is Kevin, and uh, yeah, I'm sure he can work something out for you. you know, he does all kinds of like theme nights. He does like a, I think it's Story Time, not Story Hour, but yeah, Story Hour is Christopher Mooneyham's project. But Story Time is kind of an acoustic thing that he does, where you would play the song and then you would describe like what the song was about, like you know why'd you write it, that kind of thing, kind of like um, VH1 storytellers. So that I think that'd be a good fit for you. Okay. Yeah. That so sounds cool. Reach out to him. I'm not sure if he's still doing it, but he'd be a good contact for you. What are some of your favorite local groups? Well, solo, I would say uh, Tim K. He's good. Um, and you dabble with the piano too. A little bit. Yeah. Although I actually, I piano I actually took piano lessons back in 1994. But well, back in high school, when yeah. I was a senior. But it was like for a year. Like every once in a while, I'll fool around with it and I get a little better at it. Yeah. Just kind of like with the guitar. I never had a guitar lesson, but I just. Were there other instruments like the, like introductory instruments like the recorder or maybe a string or wind instrument? Did you sing a chorus? Trumpet. Trumpet. I played trumpet in fourth grade, fifth grade. See, I could actually grade. hear trumpet on your music. Have you thought about bringing it back out or is it just so far in the rear view that like. Back in 1996, I kind of wanted to play in a ska band with a trumpet. I think that'd be a perfect fit for you. But that was back in 96. Like, but um, yeah, um, every once in a while, I actually thought about like fooling around the trumpet. I still have my trumpet. Yeah. But I kind of forgot how to do everything, but I don't think it'll take me long to figure it out. Yeah, it's, it's it's probably a, like riding a bike, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I st- I think I even still have my original um, music, uh, my trumpet, like the beginner trumpet, like when I had fourth grade, fifth grade. Yeah, did your parents support music? Do they support what you do musically? Um, my mom does. Maybe my dad not so much. I mean, I guess they they kind of give me support. My dad doesn't necessarily like the style of music I do. Okay, or he doesn't like punk rock. But what's I, he into? Um, 
I don't really know. I mean, like I remember when I was a kid, he would always listen to country. Okay. But now it's like he would listen to stuff that's like country that I don't consider country. Like more like the like the bro country. More like the the modern day stuff that. But I don't yeah, even think he's. A, I don't even. I don't even think he's even a fan of that. Really, like I don't, he's not really much of a musical fan. I don't think. Yeah, we were talking pre podcast, and you actually just took over your dad's electrician business, correct? That's correct. What's the name of the company? Value Electric. And what are you doing for that company? Well, I, um, you know, wire houses and put hang lights. Uh, I also figure out, like, I do the estimates. Um, uh, we put in generators. Is this more commercial or residential? Um, it's about, right now it seems like it's about half and half. You have a favorite side of that? I prefer the residential. Okay. Just because it's easier on me commercial is okay just different style different type of wire that you run that i don't like running the mc cable which is the metal cable just because it i don't know all day long you'll get like the black stuff from the oils of it on your hands all day yeah but the residential has its pros and cons too what kind of calls are you getting for residential versus like commercial what would be like a typical issue typical issue would probably because what you do is rather specialty, you know, like a plumber, like copper pipe springs a leak or something like that. Somebody's got to come in there, cut the pipe, put the new pipe in, and only they can do that, you know. For us, uh, it seems like it would be more like um, like somebody's lights not working, somebody has some outlets that are out. Then again, somebody would want to remodel, let's say they want to remodel their house a little bit and they would want to add, they want to price on like, what would it take to, how much would it cost to do this, this, and this? Like I want to, or I want to add, uh, seems like, well, past month or so, it's like people want to add receptacles or outlets outside for their Christmas lights to plug in, that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you like the work? I like the work sometimes. Yeah. But you'd much rather be playing music. That's correct. Yeah. But I mean, I got to... It's like I haven't really found my uh, niche to make and to live off of my music, I suppose. I, well, I don't think any of us have. Yeah. Have we? <laughs> I mean, so I just, I need something to support myself. Yeah. A lot of your songs, I, I listened to, like I said, as much as I could find. There's a lot of changes in the time signatures. You'll start a song off kind of like a, at a medium tempo, and then you're kind of like going off into a ska kind of vibe, and then you're kind of coming back and back and forth. Well, when I write, it seems like it changes a lot when I get more and more and more into it. When I play it out more, it seems like it changes more. As time goes by, for some reason, I end up picking up speed on it. I don't know why. It just kind of happens. It ends up being a faster song anyway. Well, I wasn't sure if it was like a, an intentional stylistic thing or if it was like you're saying, kind of more of an organic thing where it started one way and then you're just like you're feeling it kind of going another direction and you take it there. It's the it's more like a, it just goes in another direction. Sometimes I'll like I'll listen to an older recording that I recorded that of a song and I was like, man, I forgot that it was that slow and it had right. that part. Or that. Because most of your songs are pretty upbeat. I guess I'm going to actually skip a couple questions ahead and just ask you, what is your songwriting process? Oh, usually I'll just like sit around and just kind of just play. Just Is there a muse? Is there something you're tapping into? Like what, a lot of your songs, like I said, they seem almost very literal. So like, where are you pulling from? Well, a lot of the time, yeah, like I'll pull from, um, let's say, um, you know, something that happened to me or something. I'll, I'll just think of something. I'll be at work and then I'll just like, like I, I'll either like, like let's say I'm on my lunch break right. and I'll just think of something off the top of my head and I'm like, and it, like just something that it just kind of hits 
it hits home, you know? And then I'm like, I'm going to see if I can write a song about that. And I'll just keep it like, and like the lyrics will just kind of come and then I'll just like mess around with it. And then like, I'll make changes. Sometimes I'll be like, you know what? This flows better than that. And I'll just, you know, word it around. Sometimes a lot of the time, one of my problems is I try to be like grammatically correct all the time. Really? For some reason. So you have like an OCD with grammar. Yes. Which is weird. That's a kind of a weird like hiccup. It's like I'll have the OCD with grammar. And then sometimes <laughs> I'm like, but sometimes I'll, I'll put something, the word ain't would like make that flow better. Right. And, so at that point, like the song's developing. So you're saying basically the chords and the, and the words are kind of, they're writing themselves in tandem. I guess you, you rehearse it over and over and over. And at times you'll start feeling like this part needs to be faster or slower. And then yes. you have that time signature change, which would make it a little bit difficult for somebody that you're playing with to connect with because they don't know what you're feeling or thinking or why you're choosing to go in this direction. They're, they're, they're trying to keep that four on the floor kind of vibe. All right. So any obstacles that you've run into as a musician? Obstacles? Well, I don't know. I mean, things like writer's block could be. I do, get, I do get the writer's block. There are times where I'll be sitting around and I, I just can't think of anything. I actually can't believe that because you seem very fluid. You seem like you're always in some capacity putting music out there. Sometimes I'll like write something. And like, I would get the writer's block where like, I'll, I'll just like, I'll write something musically, like the music and the lyrics. And then sometimes like, I would just, I don't know if it, it's not like losing interest. It's just more like, I'll, I'll have, I have a bunch of unfinished songs. Yes. Like I just have like, the, I was like, okay, this sounds cool. The B roll or the C roll. Yeah. Like I'll have like, okay, I got this part here. And I'll use that for a song. And then I got another song here. And then I just never seem to complete it. And then sometimes something will happen and then I will go back. Yeah. And then I'll be like, okay, this, like, something, it'll just hit me. I want to challenge you to do something at some point. You said uh, Brian records you, correct? Yes. Okay. I want you to go in there and record a song. And instead of tracking the vocals, take the song home and rewrite a totally different song on that recording without having the guitar in your hand. It's kind of an interesting thing that happens. I recently went to Tony Corelli's studio down in Middle River. Okay. And we basically took a song that was written on the guitar and transposed it onto the piano. And that's all we could get done that day. So I took the piano recording home. And as I'm sitting there listening to it, I'm like, I I started hearing an entirely different song. And because I wasn't focusing on just the guitar, trying to play and sing the song, I could focus on, okay, I'm just going to try to write to this as if this is a totally new piece of music. And it actually turned out really, really cool, but it, it was just a different take on my approach to writing music. There's this one song that I did on, I put it on YouTube recently. It's like one of my, it's my last piano song. Um, I did see that. That one there, I wrote that a long time ago and I wrote it on guitar. I had different music for it completely okay and then one day i was just like but i would play it out and then just never really like like i played it out a few times but every time on guitar it changed yeah like i would always do something different and try to bring it back or i had different had different parts and then one day i was just playing the piano like just like and then and then like i was like I wonder if those lyrics will fit. And then I just kind of put those lyrics with it. And it just, to me, it just made it more fun for me. Yeah. I think that when you write with a piano, 
it's definitely a totally different approach and there's like uh, more space in the music which actually led me to one of my other questions was ballads have you ever actually tackled a ballad i i can't imagine it based off what i've heard but i've actually thought about writing a ballad but i just never i just don't know if i can do a ballad that well and that's that's the song that I skipped to earlier that I made the mistake of. But Jazz Gypsy Queen is about as close as we get. That is probably the closest to a ballad I've got. Yeah, I, I think you should try it. Just just see what happens. Or is it like one of those things where a lot of people, they're uncomfortable writing certain types of songs. Like, I can't write love songs. I can't do it. I can't write really write love songs as much as when I was young. I think what what it is is like I've been with you know I've been with Kristen for a really really yes. long time. It's kind of hard to write about a like you know a like fantasy what, kind of fantasy yeah. song like uh, like it's like uh, I can't do it. You know I just can't like like a, in a well sense, if it's not about me who's it about I'm exploring thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, I saw this girl at the bank or the supermarket right. and I, I can't do that. Yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. So what do you try to communicate through your art? Well, like I have my impression but I'm curious what yours is. Mine would be just uh, plug away and just like what just try to bring whatever is inside to life I thing just try to well that's your creative side but what do you hope that people receive from it oh. like when, when somebody comes to like sandwich stock or wherever and they're watching you perform what are you hoping they're taking from that to me it's like kind of a sense of fun i'm thinking like, like we're here to have a good time and you're bringing that it's not overly serious maybe like they got a good story out of it yeah like maybe like because you're very good at storytelling that's what i was saying about being very literal like if there was a ghost or a specter in your room at room 434 at the Holiday Inn, that's exactly what happened, and that's exactly what the lyric's going to be. You know, so you're you're hoping that they're kind of picking up on the storytelling a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Do you ever get nervous getting uh, up on stage? Um, not as much as I used to. I still I still get nervous, but it, it it's more like the the last sandwich talk I played, I was pretty nervous. Yeah. And like. But the ones before, I wasn't so nervous. But whenever it seems like whenever I play any kind of new venue, it's like a whole new ball game. Yeah, I, I don't think that the nervousness goes away. I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I don't really know. Do we all have like a devil on our shoulder? Because I don't care how many shows, how many albums, it doesn't matter. I still feel just like everyone else does. We all have this idea, I think, that other people deal with it better. And I don't think anybody deals with it well. You know, I've done enough of these podcasts to, to learn that. And one of the cool things that's actually manifested from the podcast is people tend to, for whatever reason, feel comfortable sharing their insecurities. Sometimes, like, I'll play somewhere where like, somebody I know is like, you know, they if they're playing, like, I can tell that they've had, like, They've been playing probably since they were a kid, and they're right. very, very good. Mm -hmm. And you can tell, you know, that they, they should probably be like, like, like a Joe Cetriani or right. that kind of thing. Right. And it kind of makes me nervous because I almost, in a sense, I kind of feel that they're probably judging me like, oh, this guy has no talent or <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, I mean, if art was strictly based off talent. We wouldn't have half the rock and roll musicians that we have, right? Yeah. I mean, none of them are up there doing Pavarotti or, you know, if they're a vocalist or 90% of them aren't Joe Satriani. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's about communicating a feeling. I think that's what rock and roll is supposed to be. So yeah. I don't think that you ever really needed to carry that, but I could see why you would carry that. Well, um, 
Let's see here. We covered some of this other stuff, like the mystique. I wanted to talk about the marketing and the anonymity. But did you used to like really enjoy like that feeling of like uh, like getting a new album and just taking the liner notes out and really getting like into like the idea of what you thought the band was? Because yes. it's all lost. It's all. Uh, that's why I still like the old vinyl because you open up the vinyl. It's like yeah. It's like you like. Uh, like that Alice Cooper, like I have that one Alice Cooper album where it has that song Nurse Rosetta on there. But open that up and it has the pop up book and all that, and you just kind of. But that even has like the mystery too. But it it's does. Like, but you just kind of. But it kind of gives you like, man, what's going through Alice Cooper's mind? You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you go back to his older stuff, and he's like, he was out there. He was out there. Like uh, I was listening to some of his stuff from the sixties. Yes. You're like, wow. <laughs> it's Zappa territory for sure. Yeah. So we we talked about like your punk rock influences, but who are your non-punk rock influences? Uh, Phil Harris, um, Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley. Good old Frank. And um, a lot of the old, I like a lot of old blues stuff, a lot of old country stuff, uh, like Hank Williams, Jimmy Rogers. Um, anything, anything kind of anything raw. Like I like the old like raw country. Like I have that uh, Hank Williams album, uh, just me, just me and my guitar. Like that, it's just like Hank and his guitar, and he's just you know, it's just three chords and the truth. Yes, that's what you're getting. And I, and I love that stuff. I love campfire type tunes. Writing a very simple song can be very very difficult. To like write something in a way that is completely fresh and new and honest is very difficult, even sometimes more so than writing that big prog type thing, yeah. you know? Anyway, you're very good at that. A lot of your songs actually clock in at under two minutes, which is that by design or is that just kind of where you mentally check out? Like, I'm, I'm on to the next idea at this point. seems like that's just what happens. I, <laughs> it's just what it, happens. It's just what happens. Like, I usually do, I usually do, like, let's say verse, chorus, uh, verse, chorus, bridge, and probably sometimes I'll like I'll do like sometimes I'll do verse chord and then a bridge and then end with a chorus or something like that. Yeah, just, just try to mix it up. Yeah, like I'll just try to mix it up. Sometimes uh, when I write stuff like lyrically, like I'll go back and I'm like like I'll try to put in more metaphors and stuff like that. Sometimes I'll I like to put something in there where. Um, when I go back, it's like I'll put something in there that, like, I just, it's kind of like, I kind of know what it is, but other people be like, it's kind of deeper. And I try to put deeper stuff in there. Like, I, I, try, I try not to be so straightforward now. Mm -hmm. Like, my new CD that I have. I'd like to hear to get, some of that. What's that? I'd like to hear some of that. Yeah, like, I have, uh, I don't know, like, there, there's some stuff where it's like, um, like there, like for instance, there's this one song I have. Um, it's a little actually that one's a little longer. It's kind of getting into like the three minute, but it's like um, there's a song called Hobgoblin. Okay. Or Hobgoblin. It's called I always enjoy your titles. It's called a Hobgoblin's Lair. And then in that song, there's this one part where it's talking about like the past kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and, then, and then there's this one part where it says. Uh, like I say, grandfather ringing or grandfather ringing three o'clock chime. And you're like, grandfather, what the, the, the clock, oh, the yeah. clock, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just like, just stuff like traveling time, that kind of thing, or just being, or 
in a sense, the song is about like maybe like in the let's say the doldrums, like where you're kind of like you just feel like you're like it's almost like in you, the depths. You, you like you feel like you don't feel like doing anything, but then in a, in a sense, you kind of got to get out of that. Yeah, out of that situation. Well, you're a creative. You're always going to have that. You're probably the same way I am. As it, where if you're not creating something, you feel like you're you almost feel bad or guilty, like you're wasting time. Or something like that. I don't know if you do, but yeah, sometimes I feel like I gotta do something. Like I always have to do something. Yeah, but then I hate it when I'm in that situation where I don't do anything. Yeah, but then it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like sometimes I feel guilty for not relaxing because I never, I never relax. But then I feel guilty if, if I am relaxing. So I can't win psychologically. Yeah. You know, so I'll I'll be sitting there. Usually I'm watching TV and then the guitar is right there. You know, like I have to have it in my hand or do something. <laughs> but I went through a couple of your songs that I could find. Take Me to the Pub, Beer Barons, both uh, obviously uh, kind of straightforward tunes about drinking, drinking booze. So are you a Bolins guy or a Looney's guy? Bolins. Yeah. I thought it was an obvious answer that you would give, but then I was like, well, maybe. Maybe he's a Looney's guy. I don't know. So you're a Bolins guy. You ever play up there? I played Bolins, but I only did the open mic at Bolins. Okay. I did an open mic at Looney's, but I've never, but I wouldn't mind playing like Bolins, but it's probably hard to get into. I don't, because like a lot of, it seems like a lot of places they require you play a lot of covers and it's like, I'm not really a cover kind of guy. I'll cover stuff, but it's like, like I'm also the one of the guys that's like, instead of playing, let's say Sweet Child of Mine, I'm playing My Michelle and Rocket Queen, you know? We used to do My Michelle. The only reason we used to do Jungle all the time was because in high school, I was in a Guns N' Roses cover band. And so our friends from high school would come to the shows. And then we just started doing it as a nod to like that band. But then it kind of became this thing where it's like, are they, like I, I, I started hating doing it. So then we tried to start doing like other ones like that, where it was like, okay, well, you're not getting that, you're not getting Jungle, you're getting my Michelle now, or you're getting you could be mine or something, something else. But um, so you like to do like kind of more of the deep cuts, and I agree with you, man. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I mean, when you're at work or whatever, it's just like you hear like the regular stuff all the time like like right and it's hard to tune out and it's like i'm like unless what? it's your job if you're a cover band doing it then you should do jungle yeah you know but if you're brian dunaway playing at bolins you should do a deep cut and exactly. you should do your version of the deep cut yes yeah what other covers do you do I, or have you done i've done um i do like a lot of weird stuff like i do five foot two eyes of blue which is an old 1920s song okay um, that's when I really started experimenting when I started trying to do like 1920s jazz or just kind of put it in there. And then I do like, you know, fifties rockabilly. Like I've done, I've done, uh, you know, jailhouse rock. That'd be a good one. Yeah. I did, uh, uh, yakety yak, but who does that? The coasters. Yakety yak. Don't talk about it. Yeah, the coasters. Yeah. I played actually I played that at the uh farm fair, like it's perfect for the farm three fair. Three or four years ago. People actually went ape shit over that. I bet they did. Like like because there's like before the I was on the stage, there was like this like these girls that were like I think they were like in middle school, but they did like a like a choir kind of okay. thing. And then like after they went off, it's like I was playing and I, I was playing mostly original stuff. Yeah. But, I, but I've done like Weezer, Buddy Holly. Okay. But then I remember I played Yakety Yak and then all, like some of the older Hell people there, and then even the younger girls were all singing like Don't Talk Back and all that. And I was like, the well, only lyric they actually know. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, I've done Yakety Yak. I've done. Uh, 
I've done um oh uh I've you done should lo- do Yakety Yak at Tract. Because everybody always goes up there and does an original or two, but then they'll they'll do like a, a cover. I'd like to hear that. I'm probably gonna be up there. I don't okay. know if I'm playing or not, but if I do then I'll see you up there. And do like Charlie Brown or something like that. Too. Yeah. Well, at the very end of the episode, we're going to hear a song called The Chai Town Gangster. So I went on a fool's errand to try to figure out what the song was about. And I, I'm assuming it has something to do with Chicago based gangs. But you tell me and you tell the listener. And then after that, we're going to listen to the track. So Chai Town Gangster. Um, it's about. Al Capone. Okay. Well, the reason I wrote Chi Town Gangster was because I would listen to a lot of like uh, the old uh, ska groups, like, you know, the specials and um, Prince Buster and stuff like that. And Prince Buster had a song called Al Capone, like, where he's like, it's a don't call me Scarface. And, and, uh, and then, like, you know, it seemed like the specials, they had songs about gangsters and all that. And I did, that was kind of like, I kind of wanted to, get into that territory i guess just for that song yeah. just because because i like because sometimes you just like when you hear something it's like you know what i kind of want to write a song about that too and it's like seemed like a lot of people had the um love like the uh like the british ska bands and the early jamaican they just seemed like for some reason they sang about gangsters and stuff like that it's a cool song we're gonna hear the song chai town gangster brian dunaway thank you for coming on to the show thank you for having me all right brother Shytown Gangster, don't call him Scarface. Shytown Gangster, knuckles to your face. Gangster life, gangster fun, razor blade, Tommy guns, yeah, Shytown Gangster. Shytown Gangster, leader of the mob. Shytown Gangster, killing was his job, yeah. Let's make some bathtub gin, yeah, Shacktown Gangster. Had lots of guns, had lots of mugs, yeah. Terror of the 20s. Notorious mob leader, liquor distribution, prohibition, helped him make money. Lots of cash, Shytown Gangster, 29th stock market crash, yeah. Bucks Moran is enemy, St. Valentine's Day massacre, yeah. Shytown Gangster, wah bum ba 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 